Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Superstation. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News. Great to have you on the program here from noon to 12, best car radio program in all of Michigan. And I am broadcasting live today from Road Atlanta Racetrack, down in Atlanta, one of the great racetracks in all of America, racing my little Lola 90 down here, a little 1,000-pound sports racer, great car, great weather, a great place to be. Uh, we will have an uh, outstanding lineup uh, to uh, talk with today as well. Uh, race-heavy lineup since uh, I'm in a racing mood. If you want to join us, uh, join the conversation, give us a call, 313-778-7600. And we're going to be talking to Stephen Cole-Smith, uh, premier race writer in the country, uh, writer for Auto Week, car and driver. He's been following a lot going on in the racing world. Uh, big win for Bubba Wallace, uh, first black uh, American to win a NASCAR race last weekend. We got lots of news out of IMSA. IndyCar, of course, round up their season. Lots to talk about with Stephen Cole Smith. We'll also be talking to Ken Lingenfelder, our good friend over at Lingenfelder Engineering. He just wrapped up the uh, American Speed Festival last weekend, which he drove the first V8-powered Corvette on the planet. This was a 1954 Corvette, so-called Duntoff Mule, really historic car. We'll be talking to him about that and wrapping up the hour with Lindsey Brook, editor of SAE Publications. He and I were driving the new Ford Maverick uh, recently. Great little car, lots to talk about there, and then much, much more to get to in the second hour. But let's start things off here with uh, Stephen Cole Smith. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great, Henry. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And, uh, you know, you and I were here uh, at Road Atlanta, I want to say three years ago, uh, at the uh, when the uh, Corvette, the IMSA Corvette C8R debuted, I believe. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. I'll be back there for the uh, Petit Le Mans race in November too. Yeah, it's uh, this is always a great place to come to come to race. And uh, yeah, funny story about the Petit Le Mans race, which winds up. 
IMSA. The IMSA schedule is all screwed up because the Europeans decided to do Le Mans in August this year instead of June. And so uh, the uh, IMSA folks uh, came to the vintage racers and said, you know, usually you guys are racing in November. How about you, you swap dates with us? We want to race in November to wind up our season. You guys get the October date. And we said, uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> October is the time to be in Atlanta. It gets a little cold in November, so this is a beautiful weekend down here. And, and you know what it's like. You're, you're usually here in October for the Petit Le Mans. Absolutely. How's the track? Have you been out on the pavement yet? Yeah, it's really good. It's, uh, it's rained a lot here over the last two weeks, and uh, the, the skies parted for us. We have an absolutely perfect race weekend this weekend. It's uh, 80 degrees, uh, blue skies, so we couldn't be happier. We're going to have a great Saturday and Sunday of racing. Went out this morning in qualifying, turned, turned some uh, quick laps, so the, uh, the uh, pains are on the front row. But I, but I will be right. number two behind son Henry. Man, that's not bad to be uh, uh, behind your son. That's a lot better than being behind some total stranger. <laughs> Every generation should be faster than the last. So, so Steve, a uh, uh, big win for Bubba Wallace last weekend. How big? How, how big a uh, milestone was that? It was enormous. I mean, yes, it was a rain delay race, but it still goes down in the history books as uh, a win. And Bubba was there when it counted because. You know, you win some that way and you lose some that way, and Bubba won. It's uh, really amazing that it happened in the place where a year ago uh, there was supposedly a noose tied and a piece of rope in the garage area that they found out was nothing, but it, it kind of united all of, uh, of NASCAR. Uh, and for that to, to happen a year and Bubba coming in and winning, uh, pretty amazing, especially with a brand-new team that Denny Hamlin is one of the owners of. Yeah, it really is uh, poetic justice, isn't it? So uh, he's he's been out there. He's a competitive driver, obviously. Uh, NASCAR is at the top of the stock car racing sport. Uh, how is he doing in general? I mean, do you expect more wins from Bubba? Well, not really. Talladega is the home of the first-time winner. If you look at so many people, Brad Keselowski, a whole bunch of other guys, got their first win at Talladega. Um, I don't think he's been competitive enough to really be uh, in the top five or even maybe the top ten for the rest of the season. But still, he's got his win, and he's not in the championship playoffs, but he made a big statement last Sunday. Yeah, that's uh, great to see. Uh, speaking of the playoffs, how are those lining up? Who who is the uh, who, who are the favorites going in here to the tail end of the season? Well, I can tell you who's uh, the playoff standings. We're losing four more drivers after the Roval, which is this weekend. The Roval being the road course inside the Charlotte Motor Speedway. The four guys who are in big trouble is Kevin Harvick, which unbelievably hasn't won a race after winning, I think, seven last year. Christopher Bell, William Byron, and on the bottom, Alex Bowman. The guys who are in good shape, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Busch is the one that's on the bubble for the uh, cutoff. Um, yeah, those are, those, are, those are some big names. So, so how many, how many uh, races they have left in the season? Oh, man, I think there's six races left. Uh, is there that many? Um, 
now there's 36 races. This is race 31, so there's five more after this weekend. Yeah, it's still a lot of racing. I uh, I keep hearing a lot about Kyle Larson. I hear this guy is the new Jeff Gordon. He can he can win anywhere. He can race anything fast. Uh, is he the guy to keep an eye on? He really is, and one of the interesting things about it is that he had a regular sponsor. You know, with uh, after his uh, uh, bad moment last year where he uttered the N word during a, a computer race. Um, he wasn't able to get any sponsors, and he joined up with Rick Hendrick, and he was sponsored by Hendrick Cars, which is not really a sponsor. That's kind of taking money out of your left pocket and putting it in the right pocket. But he has had a couple of real sponsors, so I think his days of crisis are over. He's second in the standings, 22 points back behind of Denny Hamlin. He's actually the top guy who hasn't won. Hamlin's won a race. And of course, Bubba Wallace has won the other race in this this uh uh, part of the series, and he's not in the championship chase. But Kyle Larson technically is leading the points since he hasn't won a race, and he's got 3,097 points, one point ahead of Joey Logano. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds, sounds like it sets up a great uh, conclusion to the season. Now, you wrote um, recently about uh, IMSA. IMSA is obviously coming here to Road Atlanta. Uh, at the end of the year, the GT cars are in BIR this weekend. Always a, always a great race. Uh, but the, uh, the season really winds up here in a month at the Petit Le Mans. You'll have all the prototypes, GTD, GTE, um, uh, uh, class. But, uh, you wrote about Corvette and Corvette sort of on a bubble here. They, their, their class is essentially going away. Uh, in IMSA, and uh, I think you had some interesting news about what Corvette's going to do next. Yeah, Corvette is, uh, they, they technically don't fit in the GT3 class right now, uh, which is the uh, homologation that comes out of Europe and is being used by IMSA for the GT3 GT Daytona class. And next year, that's all there's going to be. There's not going to be a pro class per se the way uh, we have with the GT Le Mans. There's only three cars in GT Le Mans right now, so it's time for it to go away, I think, uh, where they're going to have a Pro-Am uh, format next year with GT3, and Corvette has not made an announcement yet, but apparently they're going to homologate the car that they have now down to GT3 standards. That's kind of dumbing it down a little bit, but they'll be able to race with a two-car team next year. No word beyond that whether they're going to have any customer cars available or whether they're going to be racing Overseas, but they're going to be in IMSA next year. There's no question about that. Yeah, I think that's really exciting. I mean, it really raises the profile of GTD, which is so competitive right now, but it's primarily foreign nameplates, isn't it? You got Porsche, Acura, Mercedes, uh, Lamborghini. They're all beating each other, each other up. It'll be great to have an American nameplate in there for the premier uh, American sports car series. You're absolutely right. That may encourage some of the other uh, teams or, or some of the other manufacturers to get into GT3. Uh, you know, I think IMSA now has something like a grand total of 14 manufacturers, which is plenty. Uh, the Ford and Chevrolet are in the GT4 class, which is the Michelin race that races the day before the regular IMSA guys do. But it would be great to have some of those nameplates in the GT3 class besides Corvette next year. Yeah, there's just great... Uh 
sports car and GT racing all over this country. You wrote another piece. I believe it's a series that we know is the Michelin uh, Challenge. It's it's uh, is it changing its name to SMO? You wrote about that recently. Yeah, it's SRO for Stephen Rattel Organization. It's uh, it's owned out of Europe, and it's uh, uh, it was the Pirelli World Challenge. That's the name we uh, have been hanging on to for a long time, but. It's really the SRO America Challenge, and they're winding their class up, uh, their series up at Indianapolis next weekend with an eight-hour race. I wish I could go to that. That's going to be a bunch of good cars and a bunch of good drivers at, at Indianapolis Road Course. So, uh, Steve, in the, in the context of GTD, we've been talking about that in the uh, larger IMSA Endurance Series. How does SRO differ from GTD? They really don't. They run GT3 classes and GT4 classes just like IMSA does, but they do it in a slightly different way. They're mostly sprint races, which are 90 minutes or less, as opposed to uh, over two hours for most IMSA races. And uh, they have one class where you drive by yourself, another class where you swap out with a pro driver. Um, it's just good racing. It's a stepping stone to IMSA. The guys at SRO uh, fully admit that that's what they are as a stepping stone to IMSA, which may be a stepping stone to, uh, you know, the 24 hours of Le Mans for some of the guys that have made that transition. But it's just a good class. It's, uh, they don't have that many spectators, but I think this next year they're going to be making a lot more noise. Uh, speaking of making noise, uh, we, I don't think we've spoken on the program since the IndyCar season wrapped up. Uh, typically, typically wild and IndyCar. I love the generational war that's going on there, and one of the young guns picked up his first title. He did indeed. Uh, the last race was won by Colton Herta, who's a guy we've got to keep an eye on. He's so fast and so young, but he's mature beyond his age. Uh, Alex Blue finished fourth, but that was good enough for him to win the title. Uh, I think it's a, a great, he's going to be a great champion. I wish his name had a little higher profile because, you know, if you call a news director or sports director at some TV station and say, I can get you Alex Ballou, he's going to say who. But hopefully Alex is going to be out there beating the bushes for IndyCar this uh, off season and come back next year with a little more name recognition. Yeah, the uh, I think Pat Award is probably much more um uh, uh, much more uh, TV friendly. Um, he also gave a run uh, there for the title, finished third. Uh, is, is Alex Pillow the next Scott Dixon? Seems like a very consistent driver. He, you know, he's uh, he's very calm, and he didn't win that many races, but he was top five for a lot of them. He doesn't crash. He doesn't get in trouble. He's just a good, quiet driver, which is the way Scott Dixon is. Scott's not the guy that to win to, to win a race, green flag to checker flag. He's just there at the end, and that's kind of the way Alex Blue is. And it was uh, good to see him. It was good to see Chip Ganassi with uh, uh, another title. Uh, it wasn't Dixon this time, but uh, Dixon's not going anywhere. He'll be back next year. Yeah, it's uh, you know one of the things I love about uh, auto racing, particularly during the pandemic, it was it was a true escape. I mean, there was so much politics around football, around NBA basketball, and I just felt like uh, the Penske organization in IndyCar and uh, U.S. racing in general just stayed above the political fray. Uh, 
uh, offered people an escape from a very trying year. I, I, I really love what the uh, sport did over here. Uh, in contrast to Formula One, which always there's always politics in Formula One, um, and I feel like this year in F1 they're they're in Turkey this weekend racing. They're back to racing. You got a real rivalry there between uh, Hamilton and Verstappen at the top. Man, we do. This has been one of the most competitive years in Formula One that I remember. Hamilton is two points ahead. He's got two hundred forty-six and a half points. We're stepping 244.5. Bottas, who's on the pole for the race uh, this weekend, is third, 151. So it's going to be a real long shot to see Bottas uh, do any better than he is now in third. But it's definitely a battle between Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. I don't think anybody expected Verstappen to be quite as strong as he is this year. But that Red Bull racing Honda has been a, a machine to contend with. Yeah, and he's he's been coming for a while, um, and you know it's exciting to see him there. It's, it's it's frankly exciting again from a generational perspective to see Hamilton, uh, you know, the veteran still at it, still inspired, uh, and and uh, he's he's not he's not going away anywhere fast. I think he just reached a hundred a hundred poles or a hundred wins or some extraordinary number. Yeah, he's uh, he was the fastest in the Istanbul, but it looks like he's starting, I think, 11th because he had an engine change, and they penalize you in Formula One uh, even more than 11th place if you change the entire engine. He didn't change out to the entire engine, but I think he's got a long way to go uh, this time. We're stopping. Uh, qualified pretty well, but he seems kind of downcast, like he's already given up for this race in particular. I'm not sure why, but uh, I think it's going to be a great race. I'll be watching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, just to uh, wrap up the segment, um, I'm down here in Road Atlanta. We're talking Corvettes. We're talking IMSA, and I, and I always uh, uh, remember the name Doug Fian. Uh Doug was down here. Yeah. Uh, last time you and I were here three years ago, he's retired. In a time in between, it's uh, it, you know, it's a little strange to go to uh, uh, to think of coming to Rotoland or any IMSA race without Doug Fian running the Corvette team. But I have you seen him recently? Is he back now uh, with that? We team? have spoken. Yeah, he's uh, he's back. He will be at Road Atlanta. He's sort of an ambassador now between the team and the Corvettes that show up. And by Corvettes that show up, I mean regular passenger car Corvettes, which IMSA attracts an enormous number of Corvette clubs to its races, and that's something that Doug Feehan is uh, really good with. So he'll be at Road Atlanta, and I'll tell him you said hi. Yeah, he's, he's a character, and uh, <laughs> you, know, we, you, you love sport. You love to see uh, you love to see dunks in basketball. You love to see cars go fast. But at the end of the day, what kind of keeps you coming back? are the rivalries and the characters. And uh, we talk about drivers a lot, but uh, Doug, Doug Feehan, I think, was uh, really one of the great personalities in the sport and really really put Corvette racing on the map. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I echo what you've said. It's been a great year for motorsports, IMSA and the rest. Uh, NHRA is racing this weekend. That's a tight points battle there. They're at the Texas Motorplex. Uh, Brittany Force is uh, on the pole or rather she's a fast qualifier. Robert Hyde, Greg Anderson, and Steve Johnson are the guys to, and girls to keep an eye on this weekend for NHRA. So uh, there's so much to watch. This is going to be a good weekend. 
Yeah, a lot, lot going on. It's going to be a busy weekend for you, Steve. And, and uh, tell folks where they can find your coverage. Uh, AutoWeek.com is a good place. Uh, Haggerty.com, I've got some stories there, including one on John Force. Uh, show up occasionally in Car and Driver uh, and Grassroots Motorsports Magazine. Yeah, it's all good stuff. See, thanks for joining us as always, and have a great racing weekend. Be safe out there, Henry, and bring us home a checkered flag. I sure will. That's Stephen Cole Smith, race rider extraordinaire. You can uh, find him all over the place. We're going to take a break here. From Road Atlanta, broadcasting live from Road Atlanta Racetrack today. And on the other side of the break, we'll be talking with Ken Lingenfelder about Corvettes. a.m. Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 200 spots for $500 with a must-air-within-30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Ronisha Williams now at 313-434-8291. Detroit Affordable Housing Task Force and co-sponsor Detroit People's Platform invites the Detroit community to our Affordable Housing Informational Fair on Saturday, October 9th, 2021 from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at St. Matthew's and St. Joseph's Episcopal Church parking lot located at 8850 Woodward Avenue, the corner of King Street. The special guest speakers, President Pro Temp Mary Sheffield, 13th District Congresswoman Rashida Talib, and many others. Some participants will receive a free box lunch and visit the community resources tables. We believe all Detroit children and families deserve a safe, affordable place to live and call home. The Detroit Affordable Housing Task Force and DPP goal is to increase affordable housings. This is the City of Detroit's Housing Department job. As you know, the City of Detroit has been in a severe affordable housing crisis. Many Detroiters cannot afford to live in the City of Detroit. We want you to attend and join the housing justice movement. For contact information, 313-969-9115. It's time to make a change. Detroiters have lost $320 million in property under the current administration. These properties have been illegally foreclosed and profitably resold to others at the expense of native Detroiters. The Michigan Supreme Court has now held that those who lost their homes are eligible for compensation. It's time to get our equity back. It's time to make a change. Go to www.takebackthed.com. Who else but 9, 10 a.m. can give you this much excitement? I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News. You are on car radio. The full swing here on Saturday. Well, I just have a stream coming through here talking about cool cars, classic cars, hot rods, muscle cars. We've got a great lineup for you today. Best car radio show in all of Michigan. Catch it all right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Riding along in my automobile, my baby beside me at the wheel. I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile, my curiosity running wild. Cruising and playing the radio. Place to go. All right, welcome back into 910 AM Superstation. You're on Car Radio with Henry Payne and uh, broadcasting live from Road Atlanta Raceway this weekend. 
uh, great racetrack, one of the great racetracks in all of North America. But last weekend, we were broadcasting from M1 Concourse on the Champion Motor Speedway up there. Very different track, uh, a a one-and-a-half-mile track inside the metropolitan Detroit area. It's really an extraordinary place, and that has been the center of attention in the the Michigan, uh, southeast Michigan area this fall. So much going on down there. Roadkill Nights, Woodward Dream Show, uh, both at that facility. We had Motor Bella, the downsized Detroit Auto Show was out there, and then uh, last weekend, the American Speed Festival, the inaugural American Speed Festival, sort of modeled after Goodwood in England for enthusiasts who are familiar with that uh, great on-running event. And it was it was fabulous. I mean, a, a chance not only to see some of the great race cars in American history, going all the way back to Henry Ford's 1901 sweepstakes car, all the way up to modern Formula One cars, not only to see them displayed up there, but to see them on the track. Uh, that's what really makes uh, American Speed Festival different, uh, uh, special is the chance to see these race cars in their natural habitat on the track. And our next guest, Ken Lingenfelder, was taking a very historic Corvette around that track. Ken, how are you? Doing great, Henry. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, good. Doing good. Good to have you on the program. And uh, and Ken, uh, you were you were uh, kind of leading the parade there on Saturday. Uh, with with, uh, one of the most special Corvettes uh, ever made. Uh, Tell folks about it. Yeah, it was, oh, boy, it was so much fun, Henry. And as you said earlier, uh, boy, M1 Concourse is just hitting it out of the park. But, uh, yeah, we've got a a number of special Corvettes in the car collection, but one of them uh, is real special. It's a 1954 uh, Corvette that was Zora Duntoff's uh, mule car. He was uh, the car he used to try different things out on uh, Corvette as he was developing, uh, you know, the car itself and racing and such. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to buy that car, I don't know, 15 years ago at a Mecham auction. And the first time I really had a chance to drive it on a track, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, a lot of people say it was the first V8 Corvette. Uh, Smokey Anik built the motor in it. Um, it's, uh, it's a V8 Corvette that's got uh, lots of power. Exhaust kind of comes out the side big wing that's kind of behind the headrest uh, of the car kind of runs from the the back of the front seat all the way to the back of the car and uh, white, really unique looking. I I noticed and you sent me a picture you snapped of me on the track. Uh, It was just a lot of fun. Great event, too, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it was was really cool to see that car out there. And and that's uh, one one of the things uh, I loved about that event in general was, uh, as I said at the top of the segment, it wasn't just focused on Formula One cars or V8s. Uh, K&M was the featured uh, group out there. But really, you saw on that campus the breadth of American auto racing from 1901, that, that uh, sweepstakes car that Henry Ford uh, was a key moment in his development as a uh, in Ford Motor Company, all the way up to modern IMSA uh, sports racers. I think there was uh, also a uh, Benetton Formula One car. Uh, and, and, of course, your car right there, the 1954 car, mid-century car. I mean, it was really just an, an incredible breadth of racing there. Well, you know, it really was. Now, you know, that car did 150 miles an hour uh, with Zora behind the wheel back in the 
middle fifties. Obviously, I couldn't drive it around the track at that speed. Uh, Frank, to be honest with you, he had to have nerves of steel to take it to 150 <laughs> miles an hour back in those days. But uh, I mean, but that's all they had, and they knew what they were dealing with. But you know, we motored the car around the around the track. Uh, pretty interesting steering with tires that were. Uh, really not any kind of radial at all so i had my hands full with it on the track but uh but what a blast to finally drive it in a in a venue like that and at a celebration like that it was it was really cool yeah it's, that's really special i didn't realize that was the first time you had it all out on track so so um uh so i'm, I'm racing down here in road Atlanta this weekend uh i got a thousand pound little sports racer I'm running with a, uh, a spec race, uh, a, a spec Ford engine behind me, makes 150 horsepower. I got a Hewland four-speed uh, transmission uh, operating a drive line. I'm on slick tires. So take us back to 1954. What are the what are the uh, what are the specs of that 1954 Duntoff uh, special? Oh my gosh! You know, really, uh, kind of nothing special. It's all about the motor back then. Yeah, I've got some pictures of Smokey building the motor, and uh, I mean, Smokey was quite a character, as you probably know. Um, the car does have uh, the exhaust for the car comes out the side, and you know, one of the cool things about that car is the noise it makes. Uh, you can probably imagine, you know, a 1954 engine like that, and uh, now and again, you get a little fire that pops out of those uh, side pipes, which is also pretty cool as well. Um, it's it's really all about the noise, though, to be honest with you. As I said, I could not drive it very fast. But uh, I'm pretty envious of what you're going to be driving there. That sounds like a ball. Oh, yeah. No, these are these are great little cars, these uh, Lola 90s. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's fun, too, to come out to a vintage race uh, w- weekend uh, like you guys were doing at American Speed Festival. You know, you come out to these vintage weekends, and you see everything from a Lola T70, which um, – Maybe the most famous Lola ever built, these seven-liter monsters, V8 monsters that raced back in the 1960s against Porsche and Ferrari. And then fast forward to my car, which is a 1990 vintage car, and it's a, it, it, it's a spec race car with a spec Ford engine in it, uh, incredibly capable monocoque chassis. And you see these two Lolas next to each other, and you say, wow, that's that's a lot of development, and uh, you must get a thrill, you know, uh, uh, to put that 1954 Corvette next to your modern Corvette C8 with a mid-engine. Well, you know, and, and the fact is that you know what a Corvette guy I am, so having a car like that really, uh, you know, is, is really pretty cool, and we're doing a lot of development these days on C8 Corvette, and so you got the beginning to, uh, to modern, and um, I, I just... You know, it, it was just a great event, great opportunity to get some track time with that car. And, uh, uh, I, I, again, like you said, the venue is really good. I think they've got a really good start on a annual event out there um, that will keep going. And M1, as I said, they're just hitting it right out of the park. Uh, I'm looking yeah, forward to next go. year already. Yeah, do, do you have a uh, garage out there, Ken? You know, I don't, but I've been on the advisory committee for that development uh, right from the beginning. And, uh, you know, we watched it go from, you know, pretty pretty much vacant raw land, and, and it really wasn't in uh, very good condition either. And, uh, boy, it's, it's, it's really uh, turned into quite a development. I don't, even, I don't need any more garage space these days, Henry. You've been out to our place. 
uh, <laughs> you realize we've got a couple hundred cars in the collection there. And uh, uh, but I'm I'm very involved with M1, and uh, you know love the development, the guys that are doing it, working it, and uh, have attended every event that's been out there so far. So we're having a blast with it. Yeah, it's really a special place, and uh, yeah, we've got to give a lot of credit to the members there, the members uh, uh, who, who who buy the. Uh, buy these uh, garage condos and and they buy into the culture there which is this is not a snooty private club uh that doesn't let anybody in i mean it's 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 the most public uh racetrack uh that you can imagine they 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 encourage people to come in they they love these events they embrace them they uh i was there on friday night when the some of the members opened up their own garages so people could just walk through and see their car collections it's it, it, you know, it's kind of it's, it, it. I think it's what you and I really love about racing. It's a, it's a it's a it's a big family. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's no noses up in the air. Everybody just kind of shares what they've got, and uh, it is a great community. I, uh, you know, we were at we were at Motorbella. We had a couple of our Corvettes uh, on display there, along with some of our truck products. And I, I once again, I, it was a perfect venue for what they were doing out there. Dream uh, Cruise Show. Uh, I spent some time out there. I spoke on a panel that they had, which was, you know, extremely entertaining. But it, it's truly a car guy place, that's for sure. They're, uh, the, the, the car, other than your uh, 54 Corvette, which I've seen in your garage, and uh, along with uh, that wonderful collection of yours, to see it on the track is really special. The other cars, I... I I was just thrilled to see up there at the American Speed Festival were the three chaparrales from Jim Hall's collection in Texas. First time those three cars have been outside of Texas since 2005. That that was did did, did, did that uh, those three cars really hit you? Oh my gosh, it sure did. And you know Jim Hall was the honoree. Um, you know they're they've got an annual award they're going to be giving out there, and Jim got the first one. Um, he couldn't attend the event himself, um, but he had his son there, and uh, they brought him in by video. And what a great, uh, you know, great opportunity to listen to him, listen to the man himself. He's in his 80s, and he was just as sharp as could be. And, um, you know, the gala that they put on at M1 surrounding that whole event was also uh, just top shelf. Very well, very, very, very well done. Yeah, it was I, it was really exciting. You and I were both there for the checkered flag ball on Saturday night, and I, and I love that event. I mean, I I, I got to believe this pandemic has been really hard on charity. I, you you you're, you're a big uh, charitable giver. You you hold some wonderful uh, events uh, at your at your place out in Brighton, and um, and and we've missed that in the um, uh, during the pandemic. I know you're trying really hard to get that. Uh, to, to, to get those charity events uh, up and running again. And it was, it was inspiring to see Checkered Flag Ball, to see that place uh, sold out and to uh, see a, over $100,000 raised for Pontiac Charity. Yeah, I heard about $120,000 uh, altogether. You know, Henry, we did 60 events at the Lingenfelder Collection in 2019, and then zero in 2020 and just a few small ones in 2021 so you're right i'm very focused on getting back to normal here and uh you know we typically kick off the year in the springtime with one for the american cancer society and 
you know, we're focused in that direction, and hopefully we'll be able to pull it off. Wait, what's your sense, uh, Ken? I mean, you, you're, 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 you're such an advocate for charity. You've raised so much money for American Cancer Society. Uh, have, have, have they really struggled uh, during the pandemic? It must be hard for them not, not having uh, uh, these events, uh, uh, these regular events. Yeah, you know, it, it's all of them. It's just you know, not, the, not only the American Cancer Society and the others we support. Um, they're all doing a pretty good job of virtual events and things, and they're working hard at it. Thank goodness the donors understand the situation these charities are in, and, uh, and they're helping out. So I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic that they did okay during this period of time, but we really, really, really do need to get back to normalcy here, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get back at it, uh, you know, the beginning of next year and all next year. Yeah, we're excited about that. So, uh, so when the when the, the doors open again out there at your Brighton collection, uh, got some new toys in there that people haven't seen before. Uh, you know me, Henry. I'm always pretty focused on uh, new stuff. But you know, we've been so focused on C8 Corvette. Um, you know, it's been pretty hard for us to try and uh, uh, do much of anything else. Uh, there's 85 Corvettes in that center room right now and we've picked up some additional cars to uh to complement them um we've got some new cars artists got a couple of new ferraris coming that are pretty rare and um i'm not sure exactly when we'll get them you know you kind of never know about that uh but we're pretty focused in that direction that's for sure (laughs) well and then uh, you're heavy into trucks too ken i know you've been working really hard on the corvette c8 but the uh the truck craze in this country has just gone bananas, and, and uh, we've got uh, Chevrolet coming out with a new Silverado ZR2. Very excited about that production truck. I'm guessing that some of your customers want you to uh, beef that thing up. You know, they do, and we've had some success. Um, you know, we found about 70 horsepower in the C8 Corvette without touching the electronics, which, you know, that electronic box is completely shut, uh, shut down, and you start messing with it, and you know, you, you throw things off in other areas. So everything on the Internet with lots of horsepower with C8 Corvettes, a lot of smoke and beers. Same goes with the trucks, though. Um, we did find some horsepower also in the uh, Colorado and the uh, Canyon. And, uh, you know, we're making about 500 horsepower plus on those vehicles. And what a great vehicle GM's got in those things. Uh, but to, to just get a little bit more, which is kind of what our customers are always looking for, we... We found some ways to get that done, and so that's been a great product for us. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I go up to Holly Oaks. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a track guy. I'm down here in Road Atlanta. I'm, I'm enjoying uh, this great racetrack down there, but I've really gotten a taste for the off-road stuff, and uh, for folks in Metro Detroit, they can take these, uh, these trucks up to Holly Oaks or ORV Park and really have fun for them. And you see all kinds of wild trucks, so I know that's good business for you. Uh, Ken, before you go, you, you mentioned uh, the work you've done on the C8. You, you had a really uh, you had a pair of Corvettes out at Motorbella this year that was really a striking pair. Uh, one of them was uh, the Corvette you described that you've uh, done some work on to get some more power out of that V8. Uh, but you also, I think, teamed with another classic uh, brand uh, to, to introduce a special Corvette. Yeah, Henry, so that's the uh, Cunningham. Uh, that car's built or owned by Cunningham Automotive. Now, we're building the cars for them. 
but it incorporates our uh, performance package uh, along with a design on the outside that is intended to celebrate the 62 Corvette that won Le Mans. And uh, so what you saw was a C Corvette with paint and wheels and, and graphics on the side to emulate that 62 car along with Lingenfelder Power underneath the hood uh, in the back. And, uh, you know, they're going to build 60 of those cars. They've already got, I think, half of them sold. And um, it, it's a it's a very attractive-looking car with, uh, with lots and lots of potential. So we're having a lot of fun with those two cars. That, that white one you saw there with the intake, uh, carbon fiber intake manifold and headers and throttle body and such, uh, that's my daily driver. I've got about 19,000 miles on that car. <laughs> that sounds like a great daily driver. Yeah, it's really special to uh, uh, to see those two cars there. And there's so much history with the Cunningham going back to the early 60s Le Mans. That's uh, neat that you partnered with them. Uh, Ken, thanks for joining us as always. And uh, I don't know, maybe uh, we'll see you back on track with that 54 Corvette one of these days. Well, that would be fun, Henry. Be careful out there. I'm, I'm envious, believe me. I'm, I think you're going to have a blast. Yeah, the weather's good. It's a great place to be. Thanks, Ken. Okay, take care, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, uh, that's Ken Lingenfelder, president of Lingenfelder Engineering. Uh, it's, it's such a cool sight to see that 54 uh, Corvette. We we uh, all call it uh, the Zora Duntoff Mule. It's kind of, kind of a, a nod name for those who don't know who Zora Duntoff was, sort of the grandfather of the Corvette. But uh, that was uh, that that car in 1954. There was so much development work that was done on it, and it's a very striking car too. When you get a chance, go out to Ken's uh, collection out there in Brighton. Um, I know he's eager to get these charity events uh, back up and running, and and you'll go through. Uh, it's not up on a pedestal. It's just there in a row of Corvettes in his garage, but it has a shark wing, a shark fin behind the driver. It's unlike any Corvette you've ever seen before, and, and there's so much history there, and it was really exciting to see that car drive driving around M1 Concourse uh, last week. In fact, uh, the last time that we broadcast a show from the Lingenfelder Collection, uh, Lindsay Brooke and I were out there, and Lindsay is joining us on the line now. Lindsay, how are you? I'm fine, Henry. I, I am envious, too, just like Ken Lingenfelder, that you're down at Road Atlanta. Yeah, it's uh, one of the great tracks. Uh, in America, and uh, I, I, I got a little Lola uh, 90 that uh, is a little underpowered for this track. Uh, it's it's very quick and uh, through the S's and the, and the bridge downhill here at Road Atlanta. But you get it on the back straight in my little two liter uh, Ford powered Lola, and I can eat my lunch out there. I, I need I, I need more than 150 horsepower. <laughs> I'm sure you'll make it work to its optimum, Henry. <laughs> it's uh it's great fun. I'm down here racing with my sons and uh it, it's a great place to be. The weather's nice. Uh Lindsay is the is the uh editor of SAE publications. Uh knows a lot about this industry from the oily oily bits right out to the marketing. And uh Lindsay and I were driving just a couple weeks ago a really stunning car in a lot of ways. Uh but primarily from a marketing perspective. The entry-level vehicle now in the Ford lineup is not a Ford Fiesta. It's not a Ford Focus. 
It is a pickup truck. It is called the Ford Maverick. And, Lindsay, uh, tell us about this car. It's a, it, it is a very different pickup from Ford. Well, I think the Ford Maverick, which is new for 2022, and it's just hitting dealers right now, uh, is the surprise truck of the year. Uh, it is a four-door short bed pickup truck that's based on Ford's C2 architecture, which is the basic underpinnings of the Escape SUV and the Bronco Sport SUV. And Ford, the Maverick really proves that Ford got it so right with this C2 because it is just great bones to make a very super efficient, highly practical, and a lot of fun compact pickup truck and this vehicle has all the numbers that are right it's 40 mile per, first of all it's the world's first pickup truck that is a standard hybrid hybrid engine and it's 2.5 liter gas engine with a hybrid drive system uh and that vehicle will be 40 miles per gallon in you know around town driving which is outstanding. And with the gas engine part of it, uh, it will deliver over 500 miles of range, which is what all the electric car guys are trying to get to, 500-plus miles. Uh, It also has a very nice low cargo bed, which, as you know, Henry, all the pickup trucks, as they get bigger and bigger and bigger, the cargo bed, you know, where you fold the tailgate down, that level keeps going up and up and up. So when you go to Home Depot to buy a 30-pound bag of concrete or some mulch or whatever, it's a strain. Well, not with the with the with the Maverick. Uh, it is it is easy to load. Uh, it comes in um, a hybrid version, like I said, and it also comes in a non-hybrid version, which is a smaller engine, turbocharged uh, EcoBoost 2.0 liter uh, with an eight-speed transmission. But the real clincher with this vehicle is, you know, again. Four-seat vehicle, pickup truck, uh, hybrid, 40 miles per gallon. The clincher is it starts at under $20,000, and that's what using this big, uh, big-volume architecture allowed Ford to do is is uh, extend the scale, you know, all their ability to, you know, buy parts and make parts and so forth, you know, from Escape to Bronco Sport to Maverick. There's so much shared, and it's all so good that it is. It allowed Ford to have the starting price of nineteen thousand dollars and change, and the trim levels are just like F series, you know, XL, XLT, and Lariat. Lariat being being kind of the you know the most sumptuous model in terms of options and features and so forth. You know, the hybrid Maverick. With the Lariat package is like twenty five thousand dollars, and it gives you so much. Uh, it's configurable. You can reconfigure the cargo bed. Uh, Ford uh, gives you a QR code that if you want, if you've got a three D printer at home and you want to make your own parts, you, you scan this code, and it gives you like one hundred and fifty parts you can make, uh, all sorts of things for the interior and so forth. The cabin is really nice. Uh, it's simple. But it's really nice. Now, I I think the thing with this truck, Ford is saying it's going to bring new customers, you know, people from small cars into the truck realm. Well, here's what I think. I think this truck uh, will will make a lot of people who are going to buy a bigger pickup realize that they don't need a bigger pickup. 
that this truck, yeah. you know, the hybrid will tow 2,000 pounds. The turbo, the EcoBoost model will tow 4,000 pounds. And, Henry, on this launch that we went on down in Tennessee, Ford had all these different load combinations and towing combinations. And you don't realize eight sheets of three-quarter-inch plywood is over 500 pounds. When are you ever going to buy eight sheets of three-quarter-inch plywood unless you're a contractor? Uh, a, a single a single axle uh, trailer with two jet skis is uh, about two thousand pounds, and I looked at my own kind of you know load needs and trailer towing needs, and like two thousand pounds would be the upper limit. Now, for some people who are contractors, this is you know too small a truck, but I think for a lot of people that buy pickups and they never really even come close to using the capability, this Ford Maverick, this new Ford Maverick is going to open a lot of eyes. And I think, aside from bringing new people, car people, into the truck realm, I think it's going to turn some heads around on people that were going to maybe buy a Ranger or buy somebody else's, you know, uh, uh, mid mid or full-size truck and say, this is all I need. And I get this incredible fuel economy. So you can tell, Henry, I'm very animated and and really jazzed about the the Ford Maverick. I think it's going to be a knockout for, for Ford Motor Company. I, I agree with you, and uh, you know there, there's 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 there, there are undoubtedly going to be teething pains because it is not a, a rail frame truck. Uh, people right. people need to uh, wrap their heads around that. But to to your point, I was talking to a contractor this week for a story I wrote, and this contractor had already bought one uh, with the intent of uh, maybe expanding. He's a he's a he's a uh, he's a roof has a roof construction business, and he's looking at that 500-mile range. He's looking at that 40-mile-per-gallon because there is so much cost in his business uh, just in, in transportation. And if he if he can uh, get the materials he wants in, in the back of this truck uh, and, and save all that transportation cost money, that's going to be huge for, for his business. I, 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 I still lament that uh, that Ford does not uh, offer a vehicle under $20,000. In the ad destination, uh, this Maverick is about $21,000. Uh, I still miss the uh, the Fiesta. I miss these entry-level cars because $20,000 is still a lot of money. But the other thing I really like about this vehicle is that $21,000 Maverick with no options is a very good vehicle. 200 horsepower, 190 horsepower. Nice interior, as you say. Plug in your Apple phone or your Samsung, and you instantly have navigation. Uh, good room for uh, under the rear seats to, to throw in tools and whatnot. As, as a base truck, I'm also very impressed how much you can get with this. Oh, it, it's incredible. I mean, they really did, Ford Motor Company really did a lot of thinking in the design and engineering of this truck. They brought it to market very quickly because, again, it's based on, it's based on the C2, you know, the Escape and Bronco Sport. So they're able to bring it to market very quickly. There's nothing else on the market like this truck in terms of capability. You know, 2,000 pounds towing, 40 MPG, you know, a nice, you know, plenty big cargo bed for what most people need. will haul four people, all sorts of interior storage. Now, you can't get all-wheel drive with the hybrid version. You can only get all-wheel drive with the, with the EcoBoost and 8-speed, what they call the gas engine uh, version. And that gas engine version is about $1,000 more than the, a hybrid. 
you know, and the hybrid is across the model range. I mean, you order an XL, an XLT, or a Lariat, you get the hybrid. That's what you start with. And then you can start to add things on. And if you go online, Ford Maverick, and you look at the, the, uh, the, the order process, it's really easy to build a really good, very well-equipped uh, Ford Maverick for, for considerably under $30,000. And, you know, I'm, I'm driving a new Honda Civic this week. Uh, you know, it, it's a very nice little car, but it's $30,000 for a sedan. And the Maverick, if you're looking for capability, hauling, fun to drive, carry people, carry stuff, it, it's really, this is, this is a new play. And I wonder what General Motors is going to do uh, to, to react to this. I mean, I don't think this is going to be, you know, a quarter of a million units a year, but I think this is going to be really surprising business for Ford Motor Company. And like I said, a lot of people looking at this and saying, you know, that's all I need. I don't need 10,000 pounds of towing. Some people do, but most people that drive pickups around, they never use the things, you know. Of course, Ford, Henry, they don't want, they don't want anybody thinking that this could possibly uh, pirate potential buyers from from ranger and from f-series you know they they want to that's that's their bread and butter but uh you know i i think we're going to see a lot of ford mavericks around town and around the u.s well and 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 and, you know you talk about the c2 platform and you have three fords now uh, three ford suvs which is really the way to look at this ford maverick uh you, you got the ford escape very stylish uh, compact uh, SUV right in the heart of the highest volume market uh, in the industry. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you like the Escape, uh, but you want something that's a little more off-roady, a little more Bronco-like without paying the $40,000 it's going to take to buy a Bronco, there's a Bronco Sport. And then yep. if, if you look at that vehicle and uh, like you've been describing, you're uh, you, you know, you do a lot of work around the metro area. Uh, you're, you're a small contractor. or You just do a lot of gardening work around your house and want a bed. There's right. a Maverick for you. I mean, I, I, I think I would think this would really expand Ford's volume in this volume segment. Well, I think so. And there's a key here, too, is hybrid. Okay. And so we know General Motors, no hybrids. I, I think the next C8 Corvette will be a hybrid. There'll, there'll be an iteration. But GM has abandoned hybrids. Okay. They're going all electric. But until we get charging, until we get electric car batteries to be moderately priced, which they're still sky high, um, you know, a hybrid will get you anywhere. You could drive from here to Alaska with a hybrid. Okay, you can't do that with an EV. You could drive from here, as you know, Henry, to Charlevoix or Traverse City, kind of in one shot in this Ford Maverick. You can't really do that yeah. with an EV. And, and so, to me, a hybrid is the smart play you know, for this interim period, which could be a decade or two until EVs become kind of the future. Now, for GM to answer Ford on the Maverick, for GM to come out with a compact unibody truck, you know, they're not going to do a hybrid. They won't do something off an existing architecture. So for GM, this means all new architecture, okay? And maybe that architecture will be um, big volume on the EV side, but not at first. So Ford comes into this with, Existing uh, hybrid system, you know, uh, existing architecture, and that's why they're able to get this thing in the market at $20,000, Henry. Uh, GM comes in with this. They won't be able to touch that with an electric uh, a competitor to Maverick. 
or no, no one yeah. else will really. Uh, you know, Volkswagen could probably do it, but they've committed to electric cars too. So I think the hybrid play with Maverick is going to be a sweet spot for Ford Motor Company. Yeah, and, and it's a Ford, and everybody knows that Ford makes great pickups. So you also have the uh, you have the brand shops to introduce a twenty thousand dollar pickup. Lindsay, it's so great. I want your. I want your. I was going to say, I want yeah, your listeners to think, you know, anybody who's out there listening to car radio who thinks, you know, I need a small pickup truck, I need a medium-sized pickup, go look at the Maverick and, and fold the tailgate down and see what a nice load uh, characteristic this truck has. It's 28 inches off the ground, the tailgate, okay? Compare that to anything that's bigger and then realize, you know, if I have to load something, if I get a load a little dirt bike, if I get a load a lawnmower, uh, concrete, mulch, I'm going to be breaking my back with that larger truck. Uh, this Maverick is kind of back to where the original 1982 Ranger was, you know, which is a very practical truck, and there's probably hundreds of thousands of them still r- driving around. Yeah. Yeah, I think, Lindsay, you and I are going to be talking a lot more about this truck. With North American uh, Car of the Year coming, I think uh, this Maverick's going to be racking up a lot of awards. Lindsay, uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, great to uh, great to have you on the program as always, and have a great weekend. Same here, Henry. Thanks. Uh, always good to be on car radio. All right, uh, that's going to wind up our first hour for us here. That's uh, Lindsay Brook with SAE. You can uh, find all of SAE publications online. They do really good stuff. And uh, as I say, uh, Lindsay and I are going to be out at the North American Car of the Year. A jury test here in about a week, testing the Maverick and all kinds of other uh, cars uh, as we move toward the NAC toy car and truck and SUV of the year. We're going to take a break here at the top of the hour, hear from our sponsors. And on the other side of the break, we'll be talking more Ford Maverick. You're on Car Radio. Hello, Detroit. This is Kim Holt. I'm here to introduce you to MoreForDetroit.com. MoreForDetroit.com is a website giving you a brief summary of who Ricardo Moore is, what Ricardo Moore does, and what Ricardo Moore believes about Detroit. More for Detroit also has a comprehensive list of contact numbers on who to call just in case. More for Detroit is for you. M-O-O-R-E, the number four, Detroit.com. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesday's Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD 